This is Adam Baum, the creation of Devastation, and you're watching the Insider's Edge podcast, taking you to ground zero. The following announcement has been paid for by the WZWA Network. Hi, everybody. This is former WWE superstar Al Snow. And TWN is My name is Eugene. And you are watching the Insider's Edge podcast. Now get on the Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WZWA Network. I am your host with the most on the West Coast, California in Fury. Great to be with you all once again. And here today, I'm talking to a, a real life superhero. That's what I thought when I was a kid. And that's what I think today. Uh, this man has, has had quite the journey in his wrestling career from the AWA through Smoky Mountain, through the WWF, WCW and All Japan and pro wrestling he's former wcw tag team champion member of chronic he's also been known as adam bomb and wrath he is the one and only brian clark how are you my friend hey brother i'm doing great thank you for the uh, excellent intro i appreciate it you're most welcome, my friend, and uh, very excited to have you on the show. I've been ha- harassing you for a good year now. Hey, uh, man, <laughs> and I, I apologize. I've had so much stuff going on, which I'll tell you about, but uh, I'm, I, it's great, man. I, I love Australia. I had a great time there, and uh, hey, man, excited to do your show. Thanks, bro. Yep. And, uh, you know, persistence pays off. I got you on the show. I'm pumped. Such a big fan. Back in the day, I don't mean to blow smoke up your ass right off the get go, but gotta say it. It's look, 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 look at this right here, oh. <laughs> right here, bro, Man. right it's here, good. right here. Awesome. It's in play. Awesome, this hasn't bro. been touched by a human finger since it went into the plastic wrapping. But anyway, look. I'll hook you up. <laughs> anyway, Brian, first question I always ask everyone on the show is, how did you become a wrestling fan when you were a young man? Uh, you know, um, of course, it was on television, um, and it was more like um, regional. You know what I mean? Uh, so um, I get, I got, I'm from Florida, and so I, I uh, got, I got to watch a lot of Florida championship wrestling. Uh, my stepfather was really, was really into it, and so I would watch it with him. Uh, and then uh, the matches would come to my hometown occasionally, uh, and when they did. <laughs> it's so funny, but my grandmother would go, man, and she would have ringside seats. And uh, and so, you know, my family would sit in the stands, but I would sneak down and, and stand beside her and I'd get that ringside view, you know. And so I was probably hooked at a very young age, um, but I also had um, other athletic aspirations. Uh, but that was probably, that definitely had something to do with it. Absolutely. And I can uh, completely imagine that you would have a lot of athletic aspirations considering you're what, six, seven, six foot eight? Six, about six, six and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're a big guy. I mean, uh, what sports were you to you? You know, basketball, football? Um, you know what? It'll, this will sound crazy. Um, I, I worked a lot as the, I started working when I was 13. I was going to school and high school, finished high school. But I, I worked during those years, so I didn't play high school sports. Um, I joined the military right out of high school. Ah, uh-huh, yeah, and I was uh, in combat training, military police. Uh, did that, 
And then from there, check this out. Now, while I was still in the Air Force, I the last my last assignment was in uh, Missouri, and I walked on at Central Missouri State. Uh, now, to back up just a little bit, all through the Air Force and all through my younger years and and teenage years and stuff, my stepfather was heavy weight training, and I was always weight training. And then I got into powerlifting, and the I got the Air Force powerlifting team, and that led to me. Um, when I finished up my Air Force commitment, that, that led to me walking on at Central Missouri State, and I got a full scholarship, and I started as a freshman. Wow. And I never played high school football. <laughs> That's incredibly tough. That is incredibly hey, man, I, tough. I was, hey, brother, I was a steamroller, man. They, they couldn't stop me, and I was, <laughs> I was pretty damn powerful, I have to say. I can imagine. I wouldn't want to be on the other, other receiving end of uh, any of that. That's for sure. Uh, so, uh, okay, you're, you're playing a bit of football. Uh, at what point in your life do you think to yourself, mm, you know what, I, I want to try my hand uh, getting into the wrestling business? Well, you know, it was always in the back of my mind. It never left. It never left my back of my mind of, um, you know, I, I wanted to join the military because my family is uh, all military. My whole family, my father, my stepfather, my grandfather, both of my nephews, special forces, uh, myself, I served, uh, my uncle, uh, senior master sergeant, 26 years. Uh, so uh, the entire family military. Um, so um, I, I knew I, I knew I was going to try it no matter what. I just didn't know when. Uh, and while I was at Central Missouri State playing football, a friend of mine, says he knows ox baker and i and uh i don't know if you're familiar with ox baker that name uh but i was like you gotta be kidding me where and he's like oh he lives like in the next town over i said you gotta get me a meeting i gotta meet this guy you know and so he fi he finally hooked up a meeting with me and me and ox and i'm i'm but ox was probably thinking oh here comes this five foot nothing 150 pound kid but I walked through the living room, you know, into the living room, and I'm 6'6", 320, you know, and he's like, oh, my God, big man. He, <laughs> that, that, that big booming voice, you know, he freaked out. He was like, oh, we, we're going to have you traveling. You're, you're going on the road. And I'm just like, I'm thinking to myself, and I love you. That's great. That's what I want to do. But I got to get trained, man. And Ox really, bless his, bless his heart, he just – Ox was not Ox was a talker and a brawler, not a, a worker. Um, and so um, he got me to do a couple little things in AWA. AWA was about to fold their doors and close shop anyway. But I did a couple little things there. Um, and then uh, when I finished college, I moved to Atlanta to be trained. So that's where I really was trained. I I, I just got uh, just a just a taste of it of what the business was like from Ox. Right. So, I mean, that must have been interesting in the AWA. Uh, you're known as the Night Stalker. Uh, and you hadn't, as you say, you hadn't had your proper training yet. So that must have been an interesting experience. Uh, how did, you know, the other guys, you know, feel working with you at the time? And, you know, how did you adjust to this, you know, new experience? Um, there wasn't a whole lot of work. I might have had maybe a match or two. Um and, and I was like a fish out of water as far as being green and not knowing everything and just, and Ox, Ox really not helping me. Um, not, not because he didn't want to, 
but just he didn't really know how to uh, i don't think okay and i knew i knew myself that i was like this is you know this is great i got to meet him and get get introduced into the business but i need to get trained so yeah that was that part was um i just felt out of place you know okay. i knew that i needed to learn how to work Cool. So you go to Atlanta, I assume, I, I assume that, is it the power plant that you go through? Well, when I went there, they, they, yeah, there was no power plant. It was an old carpet warehouse. Right. It was just a hole in the wall, man. It was brutal, <laughs> hot, cold, whatever. And I got suplex out of my boots for like a, a year, at least maybe two. And I was working the outlaw shows, the independence and getting slowly getting my feet wet and learning how to work. And I had uh, Dwayne Bruce and Jody Hamilton training me and helping me. And so I would work on all those independents and stuff. And, you know, just just learning my craft, um, just trying to get better with every match. Yeah. And, and we've had a few people on the show that were trained by uh, Sergeant Butterly Parker. And uh, there's always a story or two about Sarge. You know, was there a time when you feel like, uh, Sarge, you, you got Sarge's, you know, blessing. He, you know, he's really tough, but there's got to be a point where you've proved yourself to him. Oh yeah, man. He, we were super close friends. Um, man. Yeah. Yeah. He loved me. And and I, same way, I loved him the same way, man. We, we became very close. Uh, but he knew, like you said, I was there from like day one back when uh-huh. there was no such thing as a power plant, you know what I mean? Uh, and so, yeah, I, I gained his respect uh, through my hard work and my work ethic and, 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 and me staying in shape year round, uh, working every place I could. Um, and finally I got, a, I actually had an independent match against Mr. Wonderful, Paul Orndorff. Right. And that's what got me into Smoky Mountain was working with Paul. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I wanted to, cause through my research, I found this interesting little bit. You, you popped in, to the UWF, which was that run was, by Herb Abrams. Right. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I saw the uh, Dark Side of the Ring episode about him. He sounded uh, like a very interesting man. Uh, tell me a little bit about that experience there and, and, and if you have any stories of interacting with Herb. Um, I, don't, I, I don't really remember interacting with him. I don't, if, if, and if we did, it was nothing negative. Uh, I think he was very positive. I remember the commentary of a match or two I had that put me over really strong. Um, and they were, they were just trying to get just starting, you know? Um, and and it, I think a show was in South Carolina that I did for him. It was a TV taping. And uh, Paul may have even got me on that. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, they were very nice. Everything was fine. I mean, it, it seemed that way. And um, I didn't know what their intentions were as far as trying to go global or even just within the u.s um yeah. but obviously it didn't work but um yeah i i actually got you know i think my best bet was um i had worked like i said one or two shows with you with herb um but getting into paul putting in a word to jim cornett and jim cornett saying okay bring him up i want to see him and um as soon as he did and he put me in a couple of matches he he decided to keep me, which which was great. 
Yeah, awesome, man. So t- tell, please tell me what it was like, uh, you know, working for Jim Cornette. He's a very interesting man, very passionate man, obviously. Uh, do you find yourself through your Smoky Mountain experience really start to get it and 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 feel like, you know, you're ready to, to keep moving forward and, and get to bigger heights? Absolutely, yeah. Because Smoky Mountain had a, tel- a weekly television show um, and it aired uh, in that region. It was in the... I don't know what you call a little bit of the mid Atlantic, but also uh, Georgia, the Carolinas, Kentucky, Virginia, all that area. Uh, but yeah, it was a weekly show. And I had such a, a, a the locker room was so, so full of legends that I learned so much and I traveled with Paul. So being on the road with Paul, I could absorb as much as I possibly could from him. And he's been there, done it all, you know. And, um, and they put me with Kevin Sullivan as my manager. So I learned even more. There you go. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then the, the locker rooms full of, of the rock and roll express, Tim Horner, uh, it just the list goes on and on. Tracy Smothers, just a lot of great people uh, to learn from, you know, and uh, to learn to work, not just, uh, you know, and then, and my thing was, I never just wanted to be a foot soldier that, that bothered me. I didn't like to, I, as, even as big as I was, I didn't want to just be one of those guys that had two moves, a big boot and an yeah. elbow or a, I wanted to do it all, fly from the top. And so I did, man. I started flying at Smoky Mountain even before that, but flying off the top, flip off the apron, over the dives, over the top, all that stuff. Uh, I wanted to separate myself, you know? Yeah, you certainly did. You, uh, you know, you're ahead of your time as far as a big man in wrestling is concerned, especially at this time. And we've had a few people on the show before that went through Smoky Mountain, and it's always the same. It's always – I've Rock and Roll Express, Tracy Smothers, Tim Horner, all these yeah. guys really helped along the way. Um, so that sounds like a great experience that you had there. And obviously uh, it must get to a point where m- maybe the World Wrestling Federation is taking notice of this. Or how did that come about, the opportunity to go from Smoky Mountain to the WWF? Um, I think that they probably, even back then, they had scouts that were watching different type of uh, territory, you know, territories in different areas and stuff. So um, they must have had an eye on Smoky Mountain for sure. Uh, and they must have contacted Jim Cornette and then uh, Sergeant Slaughter, who was one of their agents, called me and said, hey, we've, we've been watching you. We've heard about you. We want to take a look at you. And so they called me up for a TV tryout and it was in, uh, it was the dark match, of course, but it was in the Carolinas. Uh, and so I went up, the, they, they wanted me for two days and I had the first match the first night and they hired me the first night. Oh, brilliant. Uh, yeah. uh, but I still worked the second night anyway, just, just to let them see me again. But yeah, they hired me the very first night. Excellent. So you get hired by, you know, the, the biggest wrestling company in the world. You must be so excited. Uh, <laughs> you, when do you find out that this is the character they want to do? They want you to be Adam Bomb. Well, that's just this. I, I was thinking, man, this is it. This is the biggest company in the world, you know, uh, you know, but we'll get to that later. But um, yeah, I, um, I had, they said, just uh, finish out your commitments that you have. We're going to come up with some uh, some ideas for you, and we'll send you some stuff and the contract and, and that, that kind of thing. So it was probably two or three months that they've been working on some stuff, and they finally sent me 
they sent me two ideas. Uh, and I've told this story before, and, and some people sort of, they want to doubt it a little bit. And I just like, look, man, back in '93, in they trademarked everything, everything they possibly could, and they even trademarked both of these names. Um, and I was like, and if you don't believe me, I just said, go check with the trade, trademark commission because I'm not going to argue about it. <laughs> but they they offered me Adam Bomb, and the other one was the Ringmaster. <laughs> Those are the, those are the two, man, and uh, it's a it's a hundred percent fact. And uh, I looked at them both. I looked at both the drawings uh, and everything, and I said, "Man, I I think I can do a lot more with Adam Bomb than I can with the Ringmaster." So I chose Adam Bomb. Yeah, uh, well, I think you made the right decision there. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, hands down, it's the most, it's so colorful. Um, I added a lot to it. I suggested the con- glowing contact lenses. Yeah. The red- the red tongue. Um, I added a lot to it, uh, but the actual original creator of it was Tom Fleming. Uh, he actually now works for Marvel Comics. He's he's a right. phenomenal painter, illustrator. Uh, he did a lot of Undertaker stuff. He did Razor Ramon's outfit. He drew that out. Uh, he did the One Two Three Kid. Um, just a lot of different guys, but Tom is phenomenal. But he was the one who. Uh, actually created Adam Bomb. Right, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, and I'll some more stuff I want to mention about him when we get down to the uh, other aspects of, of what I'm doing now. I'll make sure we bring him. Awesome. Back yep, excellent. I'll make I'll, I'll make a note of it. All right, Tom Fleming. Okay, so I uh, in my research I find uh, the debut as Adam Bomb is the 4th of the 5th, 1993, in Worcester, Massachusetts, against Bert Centino uh, on WWF Superstars. Uh, just wanted to throw that one out there. Um, I remember it. yeah. Yeah? Uh, yeah? So how did you feel first night out in this new character? I liked it. I felt good in it. Um, I, I could tell the fans were really <laughs> scared of it, you know, uh, the music. Um, yeah, man. And, and, and I was in great shape and uh, as big as I was. And, and my opponent was, Burt was not a big guy. So, man, I was just throwing him around everywhere. <laughs> and and um, so, yeah, it, 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 went, it went over well. Brilliant, bro. Uh, so <clears throat> a man that we all know now is Raven at one point is known as Johnny Polar. He's, he's your, your manager initially when you are, I think you, you debut on raw, um, uh, not too long afterward. Uh, what was it like working with Scotty back then? Uh, he, he certainly is a character. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, it was fine. Uh, I had, I had him and then I had Harvey Whippleman. Um, but th- I, I still felt, and I and still feel, I just don't think either one of those characters went with Adam Bomb. I just couldn't figure out why they um, put put me with those with both of those guys because it just didn't fit. Uh, nothing is either one of them. It's just that you know it, it's a it's a you know you know your manager really has to fit with the guy that he's with. And Polo was a, a rich kid, and Harvey was just like a little little runt in a suit. Uh, but like I said, both really good guys. But the deal was that it just didn't, wasn't a good fit, I didn't think. Yeah, now that you're saying that, like I'm thinking to myself, why does Adam Bomb need a manager? He, he's that's, Yeah, I, I just think I could have done without it. 
Why, why would anyone want to be anywhere near him? Because he's obviously been near a nuclear accident. Why would you want to be in close proximity with this guy for such a long time? Uh, <laughs> you go on a, Social distance, brother. <laughs> you go on a big winning streak. Uh, <clears throat> 22 matches out of the gate. 15 on TV are victories before I lost to Bob Backlund on the 13th of the eighth in Wildwood, New Jersey at a uh, house show. Um, so right out the gate, they're giving you a nice little push there. How are you feeling? You're feeling confident. Um, obviously maybe you don't feel like you need the manager, but this must be pretty, you know, exciting for you at this stage. Yes. Yeah, I felt good about it. Um, I felt good about it all the way up, um, all the way to Survivor Series, I think. And then maybe a little uh, beyond that, I felt I felt things were going pretty well. Um, so also my research, I found that you work with The Undertaker quite a lot. Um, and, and I was wondering if they were looking at setting up a program between the two of you that would make it to TV and onto pay-per-view because my research says that you guys worked 25, 25 times in the first year on house shows, 13 of them being casket matches, even working in Israel, Portugal, and Germany. Um, so, you know, it looks like they're building up to bringing this match to television and pay-per-view. Do you have any recollection of that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I remember being in all those casket matches and all those, every city you just named so many times. I, I, I felt like I lived in Europe the first year or so. But what happened was, if, I don't know if you remember or not, but WWF had a deal with Coliseum Video. So what they would do is they put a lot of those matches, like with me, like as much as I worked with Bret Hart, they put me a big match against me and Bret Hart a big match against me and Undertaker. So they were selling Coliseum video almost like they were selling a pay-per-view kind of thing. Right. So that, that's what happened to a lot of those matches. Okay. So they are out yeah. there. Yeah. Um, no, so well, they were. They used to be. I don't know now. <laughs> so there wasn't any plans for like, you know, an Adam Bomb Undertaker program to go to a SummerSlam or something like uh, that? You never heard anything about? I never heard anything. Um, I mean, we had good matches. I mean, you know, because he was surely would have complained if we, if we weren't, you know, cause he, you know, that's, that's just him. He'll say something. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I was working my ass off. I felt, um, and his character was slow, methodical, man. I was zooming everywhere, you know? Um, uh, so yeah, that was just, uh, it, they never really mentioned going, um, in that direction. So. Fair enough. And it's interesting to think that, you know, later on in time, Undertaker would be working the same style that you were working back then. You know, obviously the character he had then was, you know, had to be that way. But later on, he became a another big man that was quite, uh, you know, athletic that, you know, came off the top rope and everything. Um, okay, one question. I want to ask you, who was your favorite enhancement guy to work with? Because you, you, you had a lot of victories against a lot of uh, local guys or as people call them, jobbers. Uh, is there a particular guy that was your favorite? Wow. Um, that's a tough one, man. I don't, because, because when you go do TVs, <laughs> you're in certain areas of the country, you know, and they bring in guys that are close by, at least back then. Um Wow, I man, that's you got me on that one. <laughs> I um, didn't mean I didn't mean to stump you there. <laughs> no, I um, I just I'm trying I'm trying to think of who I would I would say, um, someone like I, a D Dwayne Gill or a 
No, not not Dwayne. I would say more like uh, you remember uh, PJ PJ Polacco. He went, later became uh, no, just incredible. Yeah, just incredible. yeah, yeah. Well, see, now he was he came in as an enhancement guy, and I worked him a few times, and those were really good, good and easy. Um, but I'm sure there were plenty more. I just uh, Reno Riggins was one, um, and I know there were a few more, but I just can't. Uh, Air Paris, I don't know if you ever heard of him. Yeah, uh, he was he was great uh, down in in uh, WCW. I love working with him, man. We could do everything. Um, but those are just some of the names that if I sit and think about, um, you know, there, there are a lot of guys that really helped me, and I, I, I thank them all. Excellent, bro. I just think it's important to bring up these guys in interviews because uh, without them, you know, I think they're as just as important as anyone else as far yeah, as I'm yeah, concerned. Yeah, yeah. especially it helps, it helps that, they, that, that they get, they have the more experience they have under their belt it helps us even more because we know that they're not working a full-time schedule, but we are, and we were, and we had a, a brutal schedule. I'll, I'll tell you that, that story too, man. But you know. well, uh, yeah, that's what actually where, where I was going to next okay. the travel schedule, you know, oh. 300 days a year, uh, you know, sometimes you're working 30 days straight or something like that. And you're working twice on Sundays. Uh, tell me a little bit about the, the struggles of, of, of how crazy it was back then with the travel. Um, it was, I call it a meat grinder because that's what it was to me. It seemed like I, I think the most I did days in a row was either 26 or 27 days in a row. Uh, I did 10 trips to Europe in one year where I would go do a 10 or 12 day, 15 day loop, come back for a couple of days, do a loop in the States, then back to Europe again for another loop, a couple of days off back to the state. So it was back and forth. And then in, in between that, you would have uh, interviews in Stanford, you would have, um, personal appearances, uh, whatever else they had lined up for you. Um, it was just like, uh, and injuries, if you got hurt, man, too bad. I mean, it, it just seemed that way. We didn't have EMTs or any medical staff backstage back in, the, in those days. Um, and so it was, it was tough, man. Um, and anybody was there that they'll, they'll tell you the same thing. It was, uh, a very grinding schedule. It was, it was sometimes it was like a blur, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Must be really hard, at, uh, you know, as a young man to have a, just a relationship, have a girlfriend. Yeah, uh, well, I, I was married and, 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 and it didn't last. Unfortunately, yeah. I, I, you know, I mean, everything happens for a reason, but yeah, that, you know, that, that didn't last um, just because I, I think that we just grew apart. You're not there. You're not there. And, uh, and that happened to a lot of guys. I was not the only one. Absolutely. It'd be hard to keep that connection with your partner, but when you're not around each other, you know, <laughs> only yeah. like what, three days a month, if you're lucky. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so was there a point where you, you felt like things weren't working out or, you know, obviously uh, in, in, you know, mid to late 95 is when you, you exit the WWF, but was there a point in time where you're like not enjoying yourself anymore? Uh, yeah, it got to be, well, you know, I, I've, I've said this before and, and I've got some witnesses to it and, and I don't want it to, I don't want this to come off sounding bitter or cause it, I'm really not bitter about it, but it's just the fact that I don't like to be lied to. 
And they had told me uh, right before King of the Ring, uh, in, in your house pay-per-view, they had me put Mabel over. Um, I think that was 95. And I said, sure, no problem. I, that's my job. You know, that's what I, that's why I'm here. That's what, you know, if he says it's business, you know? And so I put him over no problem, but then they pulled me aside and it was Jerry Briscoe, Pat Patterson, uh, Mabel, Oscar and Mo, and, and probably a couple other guys were sitting there and they said, well, all right, Mabel, we're going to put the King of the ring, make you the King of the ring. And then, and then, um, uh, bomb when we're done with this we're putting the icy strap on you and we're going to run this direction with you and i thought man i thought well that's great i mean that's really sort of what i needed you know that to get um i didn't have to have it but um my thing was it's like uh don't don't tell me just I, why don't you just say uh we need you to put him over and then that's it i've been fine that was I, I was already a great i was going to put him over no matter what but don't tell me that you're going to put this strap on me and run, run with me this way. And then never follow through on anything except all I did was keep going down the card. So why lie to me about it? So that didn't sit very well with me. Um, the, also the fact that Vince was going through a steroid trial at the time. And as earlier we stated, I'm working in the biggest company in the world. I should be making some pretty good money. I'm doing video games. I got action figures, uh, merchandise that I designed. That's another story I'll tell you. <laughs> but so I get home, I'm busting my ass. I get home and my checks are horrible. I'm just like, are you kidding me? Is this, is this a joke? They were that bad. I was, some of them are embarrassed to take to the bank, man. I was just like, you get, it was bad, man. It was right. really, bad. the money was horrible. Um, right. and, and we had to pay for our own rental cars, our own hotel yeah. food. And, and then by the time you get home, then you see the check. It's just, it just was not adding up. And then the, the whole thing about tell me you're going to do one thing and not doing it or not even coming close to doing it. Um, and then like, like my merchandise, I, um, they didn't have any, have, have any merchandise for me. And I'm like, man, I need that extra money. So I found a graphic artist, took all my ideas and designs, everything I'd created myself, took it to the graphics place that put it together for me took it to Vince's office, had a meeting with him, had, had a, in a catalog. He looked at each one. He was like, oh, these are great, man. Oh, these are great. Get these down to marketing right away. You know, he, he popped on them. He was just ready to go. Um, but it took being initiative, the, the initiative like that, those kind of things to get the ball rolling on stuff. And I had merch, I had merchandise within a, a week, it seemed like. Um but again, I just, they weren't really going anywhere with me. And so I just looked at it and I'm like, I'm looking at the paychecks. I'm looking at the road schedule. I had to have shoulder surgery. I had had, I'd had injuries. I had to beg to have time off for my shoulder. They didn't want to give me time off to have my shoulder operated on. I had to go in and knock on the door. Can I at least get, you know, six, eight, eight, it was supposed to be 10 weeks is what I was supposed to have off to get it recovered. I was back in the ring in six weeks. And that still, that still wasn't good enough. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm just, they just don't give a crap about me. or I'm, They're not appreciative of what I'm doing, but I live in Atlanta. I know Eric Bischoff. And so I know I got a place to go, man, you know? And so that, that's sort of, I just, that was pretty much the end of that. Wow. Yeah. That's, I was crazy, man. And, uh, 
the 14th of the 8th, 1995, <clears throat> on an episode of WWF Mania, you defeat Mike Bell in Worcester, Massachusetts, which is, you know, the same, the, the Memorial Auditorium, just the same place that you had your uh, your first Adam Bomb match. Um, so, you know, how did you go about asking for your release? Uh, you know, what was that situation like? It was real easy. <laughs> I was uh, I was supposed to be in Boston that night, and I got up that morning and I said, "You know what? I'm not going to Boston. I'm going home." <laughs> so I flew home. <laughs> I get a call later that night. This is Vince. Why are you not in Boston? <laughs> I said, "Well, you know, if you want me to go down the line line of why, you know," and I just started off naming off the reasons why, uh, and he knew. Uh, and he was doing a lot of guys that way. Um, but I just was not one that was going to stay there and take it. I just decided, I knew that, like I said, I, I knew that I had another place to go. Uh, he was not the only show in town. And I went and signed for five times the money. Awesome, and, bro. Yeah. And I wasn't, I wasn't killing myself anymore. That's it. That's what's sweet about WCW at this point is because you're not on the road 30 <laughs> day or 27 28 days in a row it's mainly tv there are some house shows here and there it's yeah, the, we, had, but we it's, still had house shows but it yeah. wasn't yeah i worked i worked pretty good pretty good bit of house shows but it was nothing like up there yeah well that's awesome man so uh yeah give eric the call you get signed uh the 12th of the 5th 97 wrath defeats scotty riggs on nitro in at the Baltimore arena in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, how do you get told, okay, maybe you came up with the idea, the name Wrath, the idea, you know, blood runs cold, all that stuff. Um, well, the whole blood, run, blood runs cold thing was Eric's idea because he, Eric's a martial artist and he wanted to do something with a martial arts type theme. Uh, but he let us come up with all our names and I, I picked okay. Wrath, Wrath as one of the seven deadly sins. And so that's how I came up with that. Um, and then they come up, they spent a ton of money on that thing, man. A lot of money on the outfits, the intros and all that stuff. But it just didn't take off because at the same time, as you're getting these guys started, the NWO comes in. Yeah. And so it, it just supersedes everything that we were doing. Uh, and we just sort of just, you know, went, went down the cart a little bit. And um Everything was NWO, it seemed like. Um, so once that disappeared, I say disappeared, it sort of dissolved, at least in most parts. The guys sort of went their own ways and, and blood runs cold. Uh, and I did too. But I asked Eric, I had a meeting with him, and I said, Eric, I said, I want to keep Wrath. I said, but I want to do it my way. And he said, okay. Uh, he said, well, what do you got in mind? I said, well, just if you give me just a little bit of time to work on it, so I worked on my body. I got lean and ripped as, as much as I could. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I came out with a singlet, just like Adam Bomb. Um, I called my finish the meltdown, which was up over the pump handle slam. That got over huge. Um, every night I could feel it. Um, I just got on a roll with it. They, they, they let me do it. And as soon as it got out there, man, it just started picking up. And each week, every week, boom, boom, <laughs> boom, boom. And I was just knocking them down. And I went on an undefeated streak for probably six, seven months. I don't, I don't know how long it was. 
Yeah, bro. Uh, I was going to get to that a little later, but yeah. now you've okay. got there, let's let's get into that because, like, uh, and and I want to say first and foremost, I did really love the the blood runs cold angle. I really enjoyed all those matches that you guys had. Um, but we had some good, we had some brawlers, man. Against it was great. Faces of fear, man, was a war. I mean, <laughs> we had some battles, man. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, bro. Uh, loved every minute of it. But when you get on a roll with uh, this new version of Wrath, 30 wins on television straight. Uh, there was a couple of no contests here or there, but that doesn't matter. Uh, but 30 wins on TV straight. And you even defeated Van Hammer at one stage. He was on a 10 TV win streak at the time on thunder on the 22nd of october so man i'm i'm just i'm just gonna put you over as as hard as i possibly can right now every match all these different moves that you're utilizing you're you're and not every match you're using the same moves every match because you're always throwing something else out there something else fresh out there i was like man this guy is the complete package and every week you're setting up for that meltdown. You're popping the arm through. The crowd are going wild. Then you hook the other arm. The crowd get even louder. You pick them up and boom. And when you hit it, the crowd go. That's it, man. Yeah. Amazing, bro. Like, and and as yeah. I'm watching it, I'm thinking to myself, like, this guy is on a hot run right here. This has yeah. got to this has got to lead to Wrath versus Goldberg at some point. That's, it seemed right. like that's the logical right. scenario, right? It was. You are one hundred percent correct. That's where it was headed. Yeah, and you know another war with Meng at Halloween Havoc. Uh, How about that meltdown, <laughs> unbelievable, bro. You know, over three hundred pounds plus three plus man, easy. Yeah. yeah, and it was just fantastic, bro. Um, Tell me, how are you feeling through all of this? The thirty wins on TV straight. Tell me, you're thinking, I've, I've got it. I've got every, I've got the crowd in the palm of my hand every week. This is the same feeling that you could feel from the crowd when Goldberg was coming up in his streak. But the difference was, Goldberg was a spear and a jackhammer, whilst Wrath was doing all these different things, which made it stand out even more. As far as I'm concerned, tell me how you were feeling. Um. Well, you're right, man. Like I would do that slingshot spinning elbow over the top. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I just, I did so much, so many different things. Um, and it felt great, man. I, I could feel it as soon as I walked on the stage. I mean, as soon as it was through the curtains and bam, that my music kicked in. I had a big part in that music too, with the Van Halen riff where it started with Van Halen and then kicks into some other stuff. Yeah. I, we, I helped put that together. Um, yeah, it, it like I said, I I really thought that they it was going to go. Um, to me, I thought that we were going to be with Goldberg and Wrath. That's what that's what I was thinking, and I think that's what they were thinking. That's what I was thinking as a fan watching at the time. Every time your theme song hit, the crowd were like, "Oh, here we go, here we yep. go." So this is the this is the part that you know really as a fan kind of upsets me it comes to a halt uh 23rd of november 1998 uh in the van andel arena in grand rapids michigan uh you take the you take the power bomb from nash who's obviously facing goldberg at starcade at this point um i remember thinking to myself like man if they just didn't do this 
and 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 Goldberg retained at Starcade. You you got Wrath and Goldberg in February or March next year. It didn't need to happen. You didn't need to lose at this point. Nash didn't need that win. He just won World War Three, didn't he? He just won a sixty-man battle royal. He didn't need this. What were your thoughts on finding out maybe that day that Um, taking place? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I was disappointed. Um, You know, but then again, you can't go undefeated forever. I understand that. Um, But we could uh, we could have gotten so much more out of that out of that match, and then even out, out of a program. Um, I mean, I, for a big man, he's six ten or so. And for me at six, six, I mean, we had a good big man match. I mean, we did a lot of stuff. Um, I did all my high flying stuff. That bicycle kick you hit on him. Oh yeah. I, I even drop kicked him in the mouth and he's six ten. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, um, but yeah, there was so much more stuff we could have gotten out of it. Uh, and it could have, that could have been something. And then of course with Bill later, but uh, even later in my career, I would still get to work with Bill. And, and so, you know, just as part of the, part of the way history went. The way, the way the cookie crumbled. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, after this match with Nash, you get another 11 TV wins straight after this. So the, the, the push is still continuing. Uh, we get to sold out 99. You're working with Bigelow who you've worked with in the past. Um, Obviously they're trying to build Bigelow for Goldberg and censored the following month. So Bigelow does get the win over you here, but again, I just wasn't sure if that's the match everyone really wanted to see. I mean, the Bigelow Goldberg match probably should have already happened by now because he was chasing after him for months on end. So what were your thoughts on that? Well, I was not happy with the match with Bigelow. I'd worked with Bigelow in WWF at, at Survivor Series and other places and stuff. Uh, but for him to be paying, being paid good money, I, I always thought you, you need to show the professionalism to show up and be in shape. And for that match, me personally, me being in the ring with him, he blew up, he was out of shape, out of breath. Just he, was, he wasn't ready. I don't know what, I don't know what the situation was, um, but... I was disappointed in it for the fact that we didn't have really the match was okay, but it just wasn't, I I didn't like the slow pace of it. I didn't like the pacing of it and I didn't like his conditioning. And I know that's, I just take that real personal. I think that as a pro, you have to be conditioned. You have to be in shape. You have, these are certain things you have to do. Uh, And I just feel like he didn't do it at least for that, that particular match. Uh, the rest of his career, and I know he did real, real well in Japan. I, I, not speaking on that, I'm just going by what my perception of that match was. All right. Yeah. I think when he got the win, I, I took my hat off and I threw it on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> I was like so annoyed. I well, was like, I, no. I, well, I, I threw a couple of chairs when I got in the back of the back. So <laughs> I threw some stuff. So you weren't the only one. <laughs> I definitely want to be getting out of your way if you're. Uh... <laughs> I was I was pissed. I, I was pissed. Not that not of for doing having to put him over, but I was I was pissed because of the whole conditioning thing. That that's what just I didn't like it. And it hurts the character of Wrath losing yeah. a match to a guy who's blown up. Yeah. Uh, if maybe the fans wouldn't have noticed because, you know, back then fans weren't as smart as they seem to think they are now, uh, like right. me. Uh, 
There's an injury that takes place in 99. Uh, you take on Jerry Flynn in a match uh, on Thunder in Orlando, Florida on the 15th of April, 99. What happened? Come off top rope, uh, which I had done hundreds and hundreds of times. Uh, for some reason, uh, something went wrong when I landed. Complete tear of my ACL. Shit. And, uh, yeah, I was out for close to eight months. And the kicker on top of that was, is that I had gotten a spot in the movie Gladiator. Oh, really? Yeah. So I was supposed to go to Morocco for 18 weeks and film that. And it never happened. Shit. Just, uh, tell me about it. <laughs> every, right, time I mean- see it every time I see it on the TV, I'm, I'm just like, you got to be, come on, man. They're killing me. But yeah, <laughs> I, I had a spot in that. Um, but again, man, I just take it in stride. You just got to. You just got to keep swinging, man. Um, like I said, I did. Get, I did get to do Mortal Kombat, the TV series. I did get to do that and some commercials, and you know. So I've done some things. I've done a couple of the movies. I did a movie with Burt Reynolds, and I did. Um, I did Axeman Two. I was the lead in that. You know, it was a B movie, a slasher type. Um, yeah, I've got to do. I've got to do so many things that uh, you know. Injuries are part of it, man. And I've had. Um, my fair share. Um, I'm sure there are guys have had more, some have had less. Um, but it is a very physical, it's a physical business. And you know, we were just talking about, you know, I guess my disappointment in you putting over Bigelow and Nash, but the triumph of putting over Russell Crowe would have been just insurmountable, I think. Uh, <laughs> absolutely, man. <laughs> And that's what I would—that's what I would have been doing, which would have been fine with me, man. That would have been great. Oh, that would have been awesome, man. Because you—you—you really, your your look at yeah, that had, time, you had this look about you, bro, like like yeah. a, a, a comic book hero or villain come yeah. right out of the pages, right into real life. Uh, the, the only other person I feel like is rivals your look physically with the face and everything, Sid also had that great look as well about him um i thought you were gonna say like i was the because i've heard this the other day it was like i, I was like the uh, drew mcintyre 2.0 or something <laughs> <laughs> i heard i heard that the other day i thought it was pretty funny <laughs> i like it. i like his work too he's yeah, great he's he's he's, he's yeah. someone that you know he looks good and that, yeah. that's what i like i don't like it's just me. It's just my taste, but I don't like seeing wrestlers that I feel like I could have a chance with. I see Drew McIntyre. I know I could get my ass kicked. That's what I prefer. Uh, and, that, that, and that all goes back to what I was taught from the beginning was about the believability. The uh, I don't want to see the postman deliver my mail and walk into the ring and have a match and beat somebody. I, I'm just not buying it. You know, I want to be able to. I, I want to be able to buy it. You know what I mean? It's got to be believable. I want it to be stiff and snug. Uh, you know, if he can't break an egg, get out of the ring. That's just me, man. You know, I, I, that goes back to my military, my college football, my powerlifting, all that stuff tied into to my, you know, my style. Absolutely, bro. Um, so you finally do get to come back, and this is a really good part of your career right here. Chronic. What a team. Check this shit out. Everyone at home, look at this right here. Look at these two guys right here. Jacks to the gills, looking good. Uh, you and your good friend Brian Adams, uh, 
you guys come back. Whose idea was the name Chronic? Uh, I'm getting the reference right there. Uh, <laughs> and, and tell me a little bit about working with Vince Russo, yeah. because it seemed like he really uh, got behind you guys. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, we, we, have, we did like a little poll or something with the fans, and that was one of the names that they threw out there. Um, but we, we knew we could use it, but it was going to be a double meaning like chronic, but then we would spin the K like on the band corn, you know how they yeah, do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We spelled it chronic like that, spin the K. Um, and then it could mean chronic beating, chronic pain, and then the other chronic, you know what I mean? So we, we played both ends of it. Uh, but yeah, so we did that. Um, and uh, we came up, came up with our own outfits and designs and everything. I was real good at always have been real good with the graphic arts and the images and, and stuff and the bob wire on the trunks and just all the stuff that we did, um, you know, and, and then we, then again, we had our own hand and our own music. We flew down to Tampa, met with Jimmy Hart. We oh. had Brian, Brian did the voiceover for chronic. All oh, right, cool. And then the static X music kicks in after that. And so, so we had a hand in a lot of that, man. Our, our finisher was a double choke sign, which we called the high times. Of course, chronic. So, yeah, right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but man, I don't know what it was at the timing. I don't know if WCW needed a, a killer steamrolling badass tag team, but we were it. Um, and we just immediately got over. The fans got with it like crazy. Um, it was just... Uh, it was amazing how fast we got over and it was all because of, of our strength and power and all the big stuff we were doing. And uh, we could work with anybody, little guy, big guy, didn't matter. Uh, we could work with everybody and our chemistry was instant. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name's Brian. My name's Brian. He's former military. I'm former military. He's a power lifter. I was a power lifter. He's a boxer. I did a lot of martial arts. It just, it, we were just like bookends, man. And we got along great. We traveled together uh, everywhere, ate together, work out, you're on the road together. I mean, you know, just, just like a brother, man, just like a brother, no doubt. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, when I was watching all this, you know, firstly, I was thinking, where, where's the road warriors? I need to see this. I need to see chronic and the road warriors clash. This would be amazing. Uh, yeah. But not only that, you know, very happy to see, your good friend Brian Adams finally getting the push that he deserves. Yeah. Not being stuck in the NWOB team and putting over whoever was going to be facing Hogan or Nash or whatever. He's actually finally getting to do something, sink his teeth into something that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, and let's not talk about the Kiss Demon because that only lasted maybe one. Yeah, that's too, by the way. They asked me about that too, and I said, no, that's fine. <laughs> you knew that uh, it was all right for Dad. But uh, maybe Dale. But see, Dale. Dale's a massive Kiss fan, so he yeah. was perfect. He was perfect, and he did a great job with it. So he did. Yeah. He really did. He doesn't get the credit he deserves, and I hope one day I can finally track him down. And yeah, because uh, I thought, uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm friends with Dale. He's he's a great guy. Him and his wife Christy. Um, yeah, man, awesome guy. Real, Dale's a real good guy. Awesome, man. Uh, so, yeah, please tell me what it was like working uh, with Vince Russo on all this. Um, Vince, was, Vince was real supportive. Um, I just had an interview with Vince um, this week, and we spoke. Uh, 
a good hour and he was just uh man it was like we just caught we were just catching up because he did my first interview he was a writer at the time and he did my very first magazine interview back in 93 wow yeah and so we've known each other for, forever um but we just hit it off during that interview um <laughs> he even suggested that he really thinks I should do my own podcast. <laughs> he's really, he's like, man, I'll help you do the, you know? so he was just super great. Uh, but he was great helping, helping with chronic to go back to your question. Um, he um, very supportive of it. Uh, put the straps on us twice. Could have put us, could have put them on us even more. Um, and um, you know, the, it's it's just what WCW needed at the time. Yeah, it really it was that badass tag team, and we were it. Um, there was nobody that could really uh, there's a tag team that could could hang with us. I mean, we and we carried that program towards the end. And Bischoff even told us in a meeting. He said, "You you guys are the only thing that's over out of everything." <laughs> and, I, and I thought, "Well, man, that's I mean, that's great. I mean, that that makes you feel good coming from him, you know." Yeah. Um, and so, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, it, it, I wish it would have lasted longer. I really do. Um, but, you know, they had the, 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 uh, the worst so, thing that ever happened. <laughs> yeah. To a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, Brian and I were not really happy about it. I, um, because I had left Vince and he had left Vince. You know, he, Brian left right after Brett left with that whole Montreal screw job. He said, yeah. Oh, because he was good friends with Brett. Uh, and so, um, yeah, we, we, we were, uh, we were in no rush to go up there. We, we probably were off close to a year before they, um, I think, you know, Brian and Taker were friends also. And so, um, they got us to come up. Um, we signed a one-year contract, got us to come up there and, um, we, um, it just didn't work out and it, it was bad. It was, it was a bad idea. It was bad timing. Um, they, I suggested us to go, to go on the road for at least a week, knock off some of the rust, get some timing down. They said, no, no, no. We want to rush this. We want, we got to have, you know, you do one or two squash matches and we're going to put you in a pay-per-view. I'm like, that's really stupid, but whatever. It's your company. I'm, you know, or that or either you're just trying to bury us, which is what they were, really what I think they were doing. But during that match, and I've said it before, and you can watch the match, you see Kane's elbows taped up real massive. He had a staph infection. Taker had a blown out shoulder. I had my neck. Uh, and, and Brian's back was was messed up. And they throw us all together in a rush match that, that did not turn out well. Mm. Uh, and so after that, they, um, they wanted us to... Uh, they never said it to me, but I guess they said it to Brian that Brian, if he wanted to go down to OVW and, but me, I was just like, I'm not going to OVW. I mean, I told you what we need to do. We need to go on the road and, and get some experience and then do it. Uh, but anyway, so, so they decided to uh, take the option of their release, but we still got paid a full contract for that year. Um, and then we finally got to do what I wanted to do. Cause Brian wanted to go to back to WWE, but I wanted to go to Japan. And so we finally got to do that. And that's, that's where I wanted to end up with in all Japan. Um, there was some phenomenal talent over there with, with Muda, Steve Williams, it just goes on and on the list. Um, but that's where I, I knew that we would work and, and it did. 
Right. Yeah. Cause I, I, I was listening to uh, uh, something that Jim Ross on his podcast was asked by comrade Thompson about why chronic didn't work out in the WWE. And he said, Oh, you know, we wanted to send them to, to Les Thatcher and Heartland wrestling uh, because they needed to work on, on themselves as a tag team. But like hit the thing is you, you should have been put on, on house. You, you, this is all I've got here. You work a TV match against Kai and Tai Funaki and Takamichi Noku uh, in Memphis. You work a uh, match uh, at the Sovereign Center in Reading, Pennsylvania against Albert and Kane on the 22nd of the 9th, 2001. You'd think that you would at least put the team together for four or five weeks just to get yourselves back together. You know, you haven't been wrestling on television or or anything in over a year. You'd think that you would, okay, well, let's get help them get the rust off. You suggest yeah. it. No, 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 no. And then after the fact, it's your fault because you don't want to go to the developmental territory to work on yourself yeah. when you, all you needed was just a couple of matches just to get yourself back together. That pisses me off so much when they talk shit like that, man. Yeah, and I know, and I just like, that's why I do these podcasts to, to let, let people hear, at least hear my story, because I was there and I know, you know, I, I, I got no reason. I, I'm, I'm not gaining anything from this. I'm just telling you what I did. I suggested house shows to knock off the rust because we've been off and they know, no, no, we're going to do that. Just, okay, do it your way. And, and that's good. You know what? I think the same thing happened to Scott Steiner. You know, that they, they they put him straight on TV and he probably just, he hadn't wrestled in like two and a half years or something like that on television. He was waiting for his AOL Time Warner contract to run out. So, you know, of course he's going to need a bit of time to get his footing again. So it's just, you know, uh, every time we interview, very, especially yeah, very few guys, very few guys made it. They had, they had already made their mind who we're going to pick almost it was sort of you could see it they didn't like us being there and honestly i didn't like being there yeah we, when we interviewed alan funk he told a really interesting story about how a lot of those wcw guys who weren't brought in for the invasion angle went to heartland or went to ovw and they were essentially there to help the people that were already there get better and then once those people got better they fired all the wcw guys and that to me was just cruel. You know, no one got even a chance to be in a dark match. You know what I mean? So it's just, it, it seems like it's a, a running theme with a lot of, uh, when I interview a lot of ex WCW guys. So, yeah. um, but anyway, thank you very much for sharing that and, and, and sharing how you thought about all that. Um, I wanted, before I get to my final round of questions where we talk about Japan, I just wanted to ask you about, when you found out WCW was bought and also uh, why you weren't on the final nitro. Um, the reason I was on the final nitro is because I had 30 staples in my head and a concussion. <laughs> okay. Uh, animal caught me with a steel chair coming through the crowd and I was at the railing and he caught me with the rim of the ah, chair. Ah, shit. Okay. So I thought someone had thrown a Coke or something at me, some uh, a big, one of those big gulps or something, you know? Right, yeah. I felt it pouring down me, and I realized I'm bleeding, like, like profusely. Oh, shit. And one, two steps, I looked at Brian, Brian says, stay down. I don't really remember, remember anything after that, except getting, I remember Goldberg and Benoit 
carried me from the the ringside to the ambulance. So that's about all I remember. All right. Holy shit. Uh, yeah. And then Brian was out because he had a, a, a appendicitis. Ah, okay. So right. we, that's, why we, that's why we were both out. Okay. Uh, now I remember from reading yeah. earlier that Brian had appendicitis right near the end there. <laughs> uh, okay. So look, the WWF thing, does it work out? I personally feel like it could have worked out if they did it the correct way. And I probably would have put you guys against Bradshaw and Farouk, Ron Simmons first before going to Kane and Undertaker. Let them heal up a little bit before you get there. Uh, that's just my personal booking ideas, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, you finally, okay, your dream is to go to Japan with Chronic. Um, you guys win their tag team championships. Uh, I've seen some great pictures of you two look like a very proud moment for you guys. Cause you know, you're proving that you can still do right it. Got him Brilliant, right there. Brilliant. Got him. You're proving that chronic is still, still able to do it, man. And um, you know, yeah, you've, you've proved that, you know, this WWF thing didn't mean shit. Uh, tell me a little bit about the experience in Japan uh, before I ask my next question about uh, this match with Goldberg and Keiji yeah. Uh It was, it was, uh, it was everything I thought it would be. It was great. Um, we won the titles in Osaka. Um, I don't know how many thousand people were there, but it was a massive house. Um, and to top it off, one of my favorite all-time wrestlers was Stan Hansen. And to be awarded the, actually presented the All Japan titles to me and Brian and handed them to us. That he was there for a special guest for that. Oh so wow! And so that I mean, I got pictures of that all in my office. That that meant that's the top of the mountain for me, man. Is to have Stan Hansen put me in that elite group. And if you look at that, the elites that have won the All Japan titles from the Road Warriors, Gordy, uh, Doctor Death, the Funks. It goes on and on. It's such a massive legacy, and to be. We were the 47th champions of all time in, in that. Um, I mean, that to me, there's, there's no WWE entertainment title. You yeah. know what I mean? This is all Japan where we knock the shit out of you. This is all Japan world tag champions. And that that's, that's it for me, man. Absolutely, bro. That's awesome, bro. And uh, the 19th of January, 2003, I, I remember watching this match uh, many years ago. Uh, you and Brian take on Goldberg and Keiji Muto uh, at the Tokyo Dome. This, for my research, is the last match that you had, the last tag team match Chronic had. Um, tell me a bit about this match. Did you know it was going to be the last one going in and what led to your retirement afterwards? Um, yeah, I knew it was going to be. I had uh, just a, a massive amount of injuries that were piling up on me, and uh, Brian had had a few I know some for sure. Um, and so, yeah, it was, uh, we knew it was the last one. I knew it and I'm, I'm almost positive Brian knew it. Um, but it was just time, man. It, it comes that you get to that point to where it's your, the end of your career, you know, and you got to say, you got to know when to say when. And I was glad that I didn't stick around and try to go work independent or go work other places because I was, I was asked to do other shows, and I turned them down because I had, like I said, I had to have, I had to have neck surgery. I had to have back surgery. I had to have my knee replaced. Right. Uh, I had to have elbow uh, surgery. I had to have shoulder surgery. 
Um, list goes on and on. Um, so, you know, it, it was just always a lot of injuries and stuff, but no doubt that the all Japan titles mean more to me than, than any other title anywhere. One is that because it was with Brian, if it was with somebody else, I probably wouldn't say that, but because it was with Brian and, and the fact that Stan Hansen, the legend himself presented those titles to us was, that was the top of the top of the mountain, man. That's the oh, pinnacle yeah. and the pinnacle gets to happen right at the end of your time uh, yeah. in pro wrestling. So that's a really nice way to exit uh, something that was obviously a r- rather large part of your life. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. So we, we go from this triumph. It's time for us to get to this opiate dependency uh, and the, the legal charges that were false uh, and they were dropped two years ago. Um, I want to give you the floor here, Brian, and, and tell everyone out there about what I'll, I'll, I'll clarify real quick. Uh, I have a great attorney named Richard Jarvis, uh, and, and he helped me through this whole situation. The charges were all denied, uh, and they are being dropped. When I say are being, as they are, they are going to be dropped 100%. Nothing is going to be charged against me. I never spent a second in jail, and I was handcuffed. I was never arrested. None of that. Um, you know, I got a, I just got a lot of bad publicity in a short period of time. And it just was all, again, all false, all unproven and, and all being dropped. But COVID hit and everything dragged through this, just like it dragged through the world and slowed everything down. It slowed down the court system. And so that was just, um, it was, um, it was disheartening to have that negative light shine on my career. Um, not just, not just for me, but for my wife, my family. Um, and so I was just like, you know what? Um, I had, I had been taking pain pills for a while and I knew that I needed to stop taking them and I wanted to stop taking them, but I just didn't know how to go about doing it. Um, and then when that happened, the next day I said, that is it. I said, I am not taking another pain pill come hell or high water. And I stopped cold Turkey. Now my wife is the director of nursing. And so she really watched over me and helped me get through this, but it is not easy. I'm not a doctor, so I'm not advising going cold Turkey. Uh, but that was just my way. I'm sort of strong-willed and I was not going to let a pill or wonder when a prescription is going to be filled or any, I wasn't going to let that control my life anymore. I said, that's it. I've had enough. And so, um, but it was difficult to stop it because I, like I said, I, I went through a whole two weeks of being, being sick, nauseous, throwing up, no sleep. I don't think I slept for two weeks. I felt like I was back in the military again during combat training where you don't sleep. You just, you're constantly on guard, you know? Um, it, it had a flash. It just seemed like a flashback to that, but I did not, I didn't get, I might've got 30 minutes sleep here, 15 minutes here occasionally, but I was just, uh, it just took a while for that to get out of my system. And it, <clears throat> I told my, I told my wife the other day, I said, we were talking about it. And I said, I said, do you remember me telling you about how I said, do, do you smell like you sm- the smell of like gasoline? And she goes, no, I, I don't smell it. And I said, I said, that's what I, I, 
I feel and I smell as that opiate stuff is coming out of my system. I said, I don't know if it's me, if it's, if it's the way it's made me think, um, but proudly over two years, I beat it. Um, I'll never do it again. And I, and I'll tell you why and they say, never say never. Well, I'm going to say never for the fact that all I got to do is think back to day 10 or day 11 or day 12 of, of how bad I felt. And that's, that'll do, and I don't have, a, I don't even have a craving or nothing, but I've learned to manage my pain by doing other things. Um, I, like I told you, weight training and working out have always been in my life. And, and that has helped me, that helps help me through the highs and the lows of my career. Um, and it's, it's always been with me. I've never stopped weight training, cardiovascular work, stretching. This morning, 5 a.m., I'm in the hot tub. I go to the gym, 7, get my workout in, come home, ice packs, you know, proper nutrition. I, I watch what I eat. I'm just, you know, I'm very, I have a system and it's working. And so um, I just, I just want to talk about it and let people know that um, you can beat it. You do not have to have that pill every four hours or every eight hours or whatever it is, because people see, I'd had so many surgeries and they were prescribing them to me every time. So I'm thinking, well, they're the doctor. They got to be right. You know, I must need to take this pill now. Um, but then, then when it's time to stop taking them, then you just, man, you just feel so bad. I mean, I, I felt like I laid on my couch for like a week. I mean, I was so, I had no strength whatsoever. And when I got back to the gym, I was just lifting such pathetic weight. It was just like five pounds or, or something. It was like 10 pounds. It was embarrassing. I was just like, I just keep pushing, man. Keep grinding because that's what I do. Uh, hashtag no days off, man. Uh, you know, I just will not quit. And uh, once I got past day like 15, 18, 20, that was rear view mirror, man. It was no looking back. And every day has been great. That cloud has been lifted. Like I said, there's charges and everything is gone. Man, it just, I just spent, I've been so creative in the last two years, like during the COVID time. Um, I know it was hard for everybody, but for me, I was able to be really creative. Um, I, I felt like I had my old self back as far as my thinking and my, my, all my stuff from my merchandise and that kind of thing. So I've secured two, two merchandising uh, deals, uh, Pro Wrestling Tees, which is in the U.S., and they've got at least 10 different Wrath, Atom Bomber, Chronic shirts. They're coming out with a, a micro brawler uh, signed with a toy company. They're making a new Atom Bomb classic uh, figure. I've also signed with uh, Wrestle Central, um, Wrestle Merch Central UK. And they have a massive selection, like two pages of stuff. And I mean, just some, some badass stuff. And they're all my designs. So I want you to check them out and look at them because I'm telling you, I'm not just saying it because it's my stuff, but you'll love them, man. I, it just, the design, they're just, they're really cool stuff. Awesome, and, man. And I spent all that time, man, just um, all that time working on um, 
just being creative, man. This my office is like my was my little mad scientist room, man. And I was drawing up designs every time I come up with an idea. I don't care if it's the middle of the night, I'd get up like a songwriter. <laughs> I get up in the middle of the night, I'd write this down, and you know, and, and so that's how I did it. And just like I did with Vince back in '95 when they had no merch for me, I said, "I'll get it done. You just wait." And of course, he loved it, and, and I got it done. Um, but it was I, I've had these ideas for a while to do the merchandise. Uh, the action figure just sort of happened. I, they they approached me, um, but yeah, those all those things are going really well. I've got appearances coming up in Baltimore and May fifteenth. I got June fifth in New York City. Uh, I've got Atlanta coming up in uh, later June. Uh, uh, Albany, New York coming up. So just uh, man, it's all good stuff, man. I'm I'm in a great place. Uh, I hurt. I'm physically, I hurt in the mornings when I wake up. I'm like, you know, oh my God, I'm getting hot because I'm so stiff and sore, you know. But it's better than taking a pain pill, man. I'm not, you know, the strongest thing I'll take is a, a Tylenol and that's it. Um, but um, yeah, I'm just so glad to be uh, out of that whole dependency stage. You know, it's just, it's just a great feeling. And I just want to, I don't. I don't want people to think I'm preaching to them about it because I. I just want to let them know that there's another way, and it is so much better if you just you just do it, man, and and try it. It is so much better. You'll feel better. I know it's tough and it's hard to get through those first 15, 20 days or whatever it is, but it's, like I said, there's no looking back, man. Not at exactly. all. Exactly. You get through those 15, 20 days, and you get your life back. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I'm so happy to hear that you're, you're really happy with your life right now and, yeah. and you, you're, you're feeling healthy and it's just, it's, it's so, so nice to have like a, a happy ending kind of yeah. story. Uh, so thank you so much for uh, sharing all that. I know it's a very personal thing, but you yeah. share something like that, it can help someone else. So I, I, yeah. And I've got, I've got a lot of positive feedback from it. And like I said, uh, I want to uh, plug my my sites where people can reach me if they want to talk about it or whatever. Please do. I know you're um, you're on Twitter finally, so yeah, I know. I just started last <laughs> month, so so please send all your people to me. I'd love it. But it's at Real Brian Clark on Twitter, uh, and Facebook is Brian Clark. Uh, then I just opened an eBay store that's going to have some ring worn gear, one of a kind eight by tens, classic eight by tens posters. And that's at Brian Clark, uh, and it'll say uh, Adam Bomb slash Chronic, and that's the way you find it under the eBay store. Now, um, along with this merchandise, I want to pitch in. Earlier, we touched on a name, Tom Fleming. Fleming, yep. So I want to just tell you that Tom and I reconnected after '93, and after all these years, we reconnected on Facebook. He works for Marvel Comics now. He was really good back then. Okay. It is artwork. Now he is phenomenal and he is working on something for me. And he's already showed me the draft of it. And it is, it was my idea what I wanted him to do. And he, he drew it out for me and it is badass. So I'm telling you, it's still coming uh, eight by 10 shirts, posters, pictures. It's, 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 I, I don't know. I'm speechless as how good it looks. Awesome. So, yeah, just want to let you know that uh, Tom Fleming's work is on the way, and that's from official. It's a Marvel comics. I mean, he's he, 
he's just amazing, man. The talent that he possesses. Is, and I know, uh, and I know that the the Marvel franchise is so big now. Oh, if they make a movie Spider-Man. out of if they make a movie out of the character, maybe Drew McIntyre can play. Uh... <laughs> there you go. And I can be I can be his old man. <laughs> that would be perfect, right? <laughs> yep. So, are you ready to wrap up? Because I got a special guest for you too. I, I mentioned that. Yeah, bro. Um, I I have this segment five second frenzy. Did you want to have the special guest come in now? Um, I can wait. Let's, okay, let's let's hit the five seconds. Okay, five second frenzy, Brian Clark. This is just some quick fire questions on things that you like in life. Some things are about wrestling, mostly about other things. First question: Who was your favorite wrestler of all time? Oh man, it's up there with Stan Hansen, Paul Orndorff, um, Randy Savage. Those are the top three that I can think of. Excellent. Uh, favorite opponent you had over the years? Wow, man, I had a. I've been asked that question before. Um, I loved working with Haku Ming because our styles are just like that. I like working with Goldberg. Um, I, I feel like I've worked with everybody in my era, um, Taker and just about everybody. Um, it's hard to just pick one favorite, though, honestly. Um, That's cool. Yeah. Um, I know this is another tough one, but this is the last one about wrestling. The favorite match you've ever had? Oh, wow. WrestleMania 10, Earthquake. (laughs) That's a joke. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know, man. Halloween Havoc with me and then some of those tag matches with him and then all the stuff with Brian, man. I don't care if it was a squash match or in in the Osaka sold out winning the straps. Anything with Brian was my favorite. Brilliant. What's your favorite book, Brian? Favorite book, man. Uh, we just, I, there's been so many. I, I, I read uh, not as probably as much as I should. I, I actually listen more than I, I should read. Um, it's an old, old Hemingway, uh, The Old Man in the Sea. That, that's a, a good one. Uh, but I've also been reading some wrestling books lately. I'm reading uh, Strong Style right now by uh, Scott Norton. Oh, cool, cool. And yeah. It's, oh, he had me because I know Scott and and really pretty good. And so the first, I didn't get to the first chapter without almost laughing, crying so loud. I'm laughing so hard and tears are coming out of my face. You know, <laughs> I messaged him about it. He, he, he wrestled a bear for God's sakes. I mean, he, <laughs> He got, he imagine Scott Norton and a bear. Yeah. And he tried to choke the bear out. And then the bear, but then the bear made a comeback and almost killed him. So, yeah, it just, just funny shit like that, you know? Uh, yeah. That's amazing. Cool. I, I definitely want to check that book out. I've been thinking about it for years now. Yeah. It, um, really cool. The next one's your favorite TV show of all time. As in like uh, comic comedian stuff or anything? Or just any any TV show, maybe something that you liked when you were a kid or something you're watching now. I always catch myself watching this and I watch it all the time and I, I know every damn line to it. I don't know why I watch it, but King of Queens. <laughs> I watch that all the time. It just it, it, it's, it's it's at the part of my day where I'm winding down, you know, um, and, and it's on. Um, and so I end up, I end up watching it. I mean, I'll, I'll go through and I'll channel surf to other things, 
um, I'm not a big Netflix person. I, I don't know. I just can't get into some of the series and too much green screen and not enough real yeah. act. I love some of the real, real movies. I like some of some of Costner's movies are some of my favorite. Uh, Jack Nicholson, love almost all of his stuff. Um, well, that, that segues into the next one. What your favorite film is? Film, um, man, I got a few there. I, I love some comedies like with John Candy, uh, Uncle Buck, which is <laughs> all that classic. Um, I like some of the, 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 it's not newer stuff, but like with the Will Ferrell, Adam Sandler, that comedy stuff. Uh, but then with Kevin Costner, I love Open Range. I don't know if you ever see that. So I haven't. I haven't. You got to check it out, man. It's great. I, I'm going to watch it straight after this. Oh, all right. Open range. Okay. And if, and if, and if you think it's, if you think it's big thumbs down, let me know. But I think do. You're uh, I, did you ever see message in a bottle? No. Kevin I've heard Cop, Check them both out. Okay. All right. I'm going to make a list. Just remember both of those. I want your opinion. Just give me your feedback. I will. And the next one is is one I'm really excited about because, Brian, I think you and I might have the same taste in music. Who's your favorite musical artist? Oh, man. Dude, I'm, I'm a rock man. So, dude, I, I like me some Van Halen, <laughs> Foreigner, ACDC. Yes. All that kick-ass shit that I listen to when I work out. As a matter of fact, you mentioned music that's so funny. I got none other than the Foreigner 4 album cover being sent to me right now, signed by Lou Graham to me. Oh, brilliant, dude. I'll, <laughs> I'll post it for you, man. He sent me the photo of it, the picture of it, and it was in the mail. I'm like, that is badass. Yeah, Ooh. man, I, I got to have my I love I love some Fozzie. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Yeah, yeah I man. like Fozzie too, bro. Yeah, man, I'm I'm on that. I'm on that. Some of the newer rock is great too, man. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm uh, you know, I may be a little old school in that rock, but um, that's how, that's what gets me through my workouts, man. I mean, I can't be listening to, you know, some garbage when I'm trying to train, man. Dude, you you need to be listening to like, you know, oh. a bit of Motley Crue, a bit of Guns N' Roses, a bit of Every, Rat, a bit of yes. Cinderella. Every bit of it. <laughs> <laughs> Cinderella's lead singer had a uh, has a new song out too. Oh, it's Tom Kafer, love him, love him. Yeah, the death of me. That's it. Excellent. I have to check it out. Yeah. I really liked his yeah. solo album that he brought out a few years ago. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure y'all send it to you. You'll you'll you will you will love it. The video was awesome too, by the way. Awesome. Uh, there's only five more. Favorite food? Oh man, I love sushi. I love seafood. I'm from Florida. I live in Arizona, so it makes no sense. I'm out in the desert, so there's no oceans, no <laughs> nowhere. <laughs> so I'm not getting really good seafood. Uh, my family lives right on the coast, the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, so every time I'm home, I'm always that's all I have. Or when I go back, to like like I'm going to Baltimore in May, and I'll be having crab and <laughs> crab cake. It works. So seafood is uh, my favorite by far. Yeah, delicious. Uh, favorite place to eat on the road. Oh man, man! I've ate at some great places, and I've ate at some horrible places. <laughs> and the old standbys when you're when you're one of the last matches and the arena's closed, and you're at a Waffle House in the, in the middle of the night or something. Um, 
Oh man, it's it's that's that's a tough one. There's I've ate at some great restaurants, um, and you know there's such a variety there. I, I can't pick one. That's cool, bro. We do get Waffle House. We get Cracker Barrel a lot too. So yeah, quite yeah. quite a few. Uh, I don't know if you're much of a drinker or were much of a drinker. It's this question is usually what is your favorite alcoholic beverage? But if you're not a drinker, just your favorite beverage in general. Uh, when I drink, I'll have red wine. I like the red wine. Yep. 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 A couple things we've got in common there. Yep. I mean, that's it relaxes you for the night. You sleep well. You know, it's just it's just easy. Yep, I agree. Uh second and, last and, one. And even Sorry. though I plug chronic, I'm I'm not a smoker. Hey, <laughs> I'm all cool with the smokers. 419, you got a minute for 420. I understand. That's also <laughs> in the new merchandise, by the way. I'm sending you all this stuff, man. You're gonna get it. I can't wait. Uh, second last one, Brian, is the naughtiest one of Five Second Frenzy. What is your favorite female body part? I thought you were going to ask me, like, do I like fat chicks or something? <laughs> 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 that, but that's a good one. I've never been. That's a good question. Man. I've never been asked that part. What is my favorite female body part? Is that what you said? Yeah, we, we, we've had a variety of answers. Let's just say that. Okay. I like that combination of of the tight downstairs and the tight upstairs. You know, what I mean, I I like it both, man. I you know, I understand so, yeah. exactly. I what like you're in other words, my girl is in the gym working out. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Excellent. So, it yeah. kind of reminds me of the answer Nikita Koloff gave us, and he says he likes the shape of a woman. I really yeah. like that answer. It's a good. good that's a very good answer. Yeah. That is a good answer. Yeah, I, I'm all about the fitness and the, and the girl working out and that 100%. Absolutely. If she sits at home and wants to eat a, a, a bag of Doritos every night, she needs to hit the road. Absolutely. <laughs> and the last one for Five Second Frenzy, Brian, is your favorite curse word? Oh, man. I throw the son of a bitch around some a lot. The mf -er. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just depends on how pissed off I get, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> cool, bro. Well, that's the end of Five Second Frenzy. You said you have a, a special guest you wanted to. Yeah, well, you know, during COVID, we had the two years off, and during that time, I I had a little girl. Oh, yeah, amazing! And, <laughs> and she's yeah, she's one year old, and I want to bring her on, and let you see her. Yeah, cool, man. All right, okay, come on here, baby. Oh, <laughs> oh, isn't she gorgeous? Look at that little girl. Look at that baby. Her name is Skylar. She's a Scottish Sheltie. <laughs> she loves to do this where I can't breathe. Okay. All right. Okay. Go back to mama. <laughs> she's almost as hairy as a dad. Oh, yeah, almost. <laughs> <laughs> Still rocking it, brother. <laughs> so yeah, awesome, did bro. You, did you did I get you on that? You got me. You got me, bro. I thought you were gonna bring out a baby there, but it, it, was, well, a fur, it was a fur. It was a fur baby instead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brian Clark, I really want to thank you for your time tonight. Uh, well, tonight, my time, daytime for you. But uh, this has been so fun for me. Obviously, you know. Look, I mean, I, I I've soldiered to the gills right here, you know, talking about how much of a fan yes. 
I've been of you and, you know, to have the conversation with you is just uh, means a lot to me. And I know I've told you this before, but Perth, Western Australia is the most isolated city in the world. And I know that my circle of friends were watching you as Wrath back in the day, huge fans of Wrath. So to know that in the most isolated city in the world that you had a group of like teenage dudes <laughs> just pumped up to see you every week. I just want to say we appreciate, you know, everything that you accomplished in the wrestling business, my friend. Hey man. And that's, that's great. Much love to you guys. That is awesome. I mean, um, I, I really truly sincerely appreciate that. And that's great. Especially like you telling me Perth is, you know, I've never been to Perth, but it's just being the most isolated place in the world. And, and for, for me to be able to reach, uh, some people, um, that's just great. And then for you to reach out to me finally to get me on your show, I thought you were from California the whole time, man. I'm like, man, I like got I said I can talk to this guy anytime. I got a million things to do. <laughs> so you threw you threw me off forever. That <laughs> sorry, bro. It's my stage name. I I, I sing. I feel, well, I, yeah, I know that's that's your working name. I got it. <laughs> I sing in a rock band, so you know, Carl doesn't sound as cool as uh, California, so. All right. Well, it works, man. It's good. Well, thank you again, Brian. Really appreciate your time again, sir. All right, man. We'll be in touch. And you stay in touch with me, and I'll stay in touch with you. And then, you know, we'll go from there. Sounds good, bro. Thank you very much. And thank you to everyone out there for watching the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WCWA Network. I'm your host, Californian Fury, and we will see you next time. Thank you.